0: Doing podcasts? Adam Buxton here with my best dog friend Rosie, taking a walk through the icy waterlogged fields of East Anglia, UK. We enjoyed a day of torrential rain yesterday. It was like a scene out of a disaster movie. Now there's quite a bit of flooding around. Plus, the temperature has plummeted. Oh, and it is bitey. When I came out on this walk, at the end of the afternoon on Christmas Eve 2020 it was all quite nice George Lucas, Star Wars prequel tacky sunset but in just five minutes the black black cloud has rolled in the wind has picked up and all the signals are pointing to me keeping this short and heading home for a cup of tea and a mince pie. That's a shame, obviously, because I'd written quite an amazing 45-minute monologue just looking back over this year, thinking about some of the lessons we've learned, and then there was going to be a short test. But sadly, that's not practical because it is so freezing that I'm in physical pain. How are you doing, though? Not too bad, I hope. Welcome to podcast number 145. Have I said that yet? I don't think so. Anyway... It features, in case you didn't realise, a rambling, festive conversation with my old friend, the talented director, Joe Cornish. He made Attack the Block and The Kid Who Would Be King. And he's working on a fantasy series with Netflix that he hasn't really told me that much about. It sounds great, though. Anyway, we don't talk about any of that. I don't think I need to set up what we do talk about too much. I will say that we made an effort to keep the language as family friendly and festive as possible although stricter families may want to tread carefully in certain places it's nothing too bad I don't think but some parts of the dream that Joe had which he wrote a song about might be a little confusing for some families I don't know back at the end for a very small slice of festive goodbye waffle but right now With Joe Cornish, here we go, (laughs) ho-ho. going to have a little drinky because it's christmas i'm going to drink responsibly but i am going to have a little wee drinky and this is from my pirate bottle Mm, that's a
1: cork that's already been opened because it's moist around the edges
0: this is the cognac that i've been supping Mm -hmm. when i do live podcast appearances over zoom thin end of a
1: wedge you're going to be like jeffrey bernard relying on drinking when appearing professionally in public is a slippery slope it's not a good idea it's a fun slippery slope,
0: like a flume in a water park. I would never drink while I'm talking to a guest on my podcast. What are you oh, doing now? Well, you're not really a guest. You're <clears throat> no, that's true. I'm this is account. an Adam and Joe episode. True, good. Well, drink up. Thanks, Thanks very enjoy. much. Cheers.
1: I'm drinking some uh, Coke Zero.
0: Yeah, quite right. Drink responsibly. Oh. Don't feel pressurised to join in or do anything. No. Just give yourself a break this holiday season. You know,
1: one of the major discoveries for me this year was Coke Zero. A writer I was working with drank some in a meeting, and she gave me a sip. Have you ever had it? Yeah. I mean, it tastes like Coke, but it's got no sugar.
0: Right, but it's got a strong sort of sugary boink to it, doesn't it? It really does. It's got the caffeine, but it's got zero sugar. And this is no
1: kind of sponsorship thing. What it does have, though, is quite a strong laxative effect. Oh, really? Hmm, I think, but I don't <laughs> mind that. I feel double cleansed. Well, it's nice to be regular. It is nice to be regular. But you don't want
0: to have two in succession in a long meeting, otherwise you might shit your pants. Yeah, that's true. Hey, Mm. by the way, that's fine what you just said, and I'm not going to shame you or anything for using that. The swearing. The the swearing. But let's try and keep it as clean as possible.
1: Good idea, because it's Christmas. Because it's Christmas. And neither Santa, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, any of the three kings... Or any of the farm animals in the manger would enjoy that kind of vowel language. In reality, we are doing this over a Zoom link. But in our Christmas fantasy, we're not. But there's one element of this that has to sit in reality, which is present giving.
0: Present giving. Yeah. So many of the conventions of the podcast in the past have fallen away somewhat. I'm afraid to say that there are few of our regular features because we haven't got messages from listeners Hasn't been possible for practical reasons. But the present exchanging is still very much a feature. And because we are at a physical remove, we will be exchanging audio gifts. Oh, That was Joe's idea. Yeah. I loved that idea. Yeah, I thought it was great. I was very excited that you loved it. I was like, is he going to like it? Is he going to like it? Loved it. Absolutely loved I went into my wife mm-hmm. and I said, wife, do you know? what Jaycorn's just come up with Mm -hmm. i was worried about Mm -hmm. the whole Mm -hmm. present giving Mm -hmm. factor on the christmas Mm -hmm. podcast Jaycorn just suggested that we exchange audio gifts over the internet what do you think of that Mm. is this is that real is that true yeah she thought it was great and it was a very sexy evening that we had afterwards (laughs) so maybe i will start by giving you an audio gift right now that would be really really lovely okay cool The only
1: issue is with this whole audio gift thing is I've, like, in the past, I've been pretty good with gifts. I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I will because no one else does it. I've been pretty generous with presents. True. Thoughtful, written stuff on the train on the way down. Gone to Hamley's, (laughs) (laughs) gone to Morley's in Brixton, to the toy department. Really gone out of my way to get you stuff. This year, I think I've got three presents for you. Three audio gifts. Yeah, one of them's just me talking. Okay. Not this talking, but a different sort of talking Mm -hmm. later.
0: That's absolutely cool. Because yes, in the past, you have been more than generous and thoughtful and well prepared for this podcast. And so you are definitely allowed a pass this year. But, hey, it's uh, the
1: quality, not the quantity of the presents. I mean, you might have loads,
0: but they might all be rubbish. Wow. Well, I might just have a couple, but they might be humdingers. See what you think. I am quietly confident about this first one. This is a musical collaboration between myself and a real band, an actual band with a record contract and several albums under their belt. Wow. And critical success, commercial Steps. success. Steps. 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 It's not Steps, although I did reach out to them. S Club Juniors. No, and it's not Scooch. Uh, the Flying Pickets? No. Hmm. The Flying Pickets were busy. Well, that's it. I've named all the big ones. Yeah. It's the Staves. <gasps> now, some of you listening will already be familiar with the Staves. They are comprised of three sisters, Emily, Jessica and Camilla. They are from the Staveley Taylor family based in Watford. So that's how they get their name, the staves. Do you also know what the definition of a stave is? It's some kind of musical annotation, isn't it, a stave? Exactly. In Western music, a stave, or staff, is a set of five horizontal lines and four spaces that each represent a different musical pitch. Anyway, the staves are terrific. And I think I became aware of them first because we played one of their videos on Bug. And then I found out that they were fans of Bug and listened to the radio show when we used to be on the radio, you and I. And now I think they listen to this podcast. So when I reached out to them, they kindly responded and collaborated with me on a piece of music especially for you, Jaycorn. Wow. That's incredible. I'm very excited. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it. They're so talented, these people, I'm telling you. And it's really quite cool. And I was really excited when they came back to me very quickly with a response. Mm. And they played the music that you can hear in the background, the instrumentation yeah. there, the brass, the piano, the guitar that you can hear. Their voices are beautiful, angelic. They sing these lovely close harmonies. Their music generally recalls, as far as I'm concerned, elements of classic acts. Fleetwood Mac, Joni Mitchell, mm. Nick Drake, mm. Carol King, that kind of thing. Oh. Set the bar low. And Why don't you? They chose to do a version of the song One More Sleep Till Christmas, composed by one of our favourite composers, Paul Williams. Really? Originally performed by Kermit Frog as Bob Cratchit in The Muppets' Christmas Carol, 1992. Great movie. They love that movie, The Staves. Do you know, I have to confess, I've never actually seen it. You're an idiot. I'm an idiot and I'm going to watch it tonight, Christmas night. So the instrumentation, the melody, the arrangement, etc., is related to One More Sleep Till Christmas, composed by Paul Williams. However, I have changed the lyrics in order to fully celebrate corn balls at Christmas.
2: There is a tall and handsome man who comes this time of year With tasty Christmas waffles you can stuff inside your ear With chuckle gifts and laughter beans for girls and boys and in-betweens Hooray, it's time for Joey Christmas corn What's Cornballs What's Cornwall's got in his festive waffle I hope it's deep-level cinema knowledge Is it
0: just me who finds him very attractive?
2: No, silly, everybody does
0: Ooh.
2: All year he works so hard inside The factory of dreams Creating timeless narratives To brighten up our screens
3: and even when the world is tough,
2: and some say dreams are not enough, Christmas Cornballs just serves up another plate of dreams. Oh. As well as Cornballs, he is known as la la or maybe Jobo, or sometimes Corny Core
0: Please don't call him haughty. That's inaccurate and naughty.
2: Joe, Joey, Joe, ho, 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 Joey, Joe, Joey, Joe, Joey, Joe ho, 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 Joe, ho. Mm,
0: love it.
1: It's my favourite bit, middle eight.
2: Just a taste of Cornwall's is delightful as champagne. Mm-hmm. You can feel his quirky outlook fizzing up your brain. <laughs> I'd say his friendship is the best gift any person knows But it depends on how the doodle story goes Oh! If it's like last year then I formally withdraw this Cornball song
1: Oh, that was sensational. I mean, it was literally sensational. It caused sensations to sort of zap through me as I listen to it. You know, it had very powerful lyrics. And at the beginning, I thought, like, when you say, am I, am I the only person who finds him attractive? And then one of the staves says, no, silly, everybody does. I thought, well, that sounds a bit sarcastic. No, 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 they weren't being sarcastic. Well, that's what I thought, because then they really dug in a lot with the praise. Then there was a middle eight, which I really appreciated because it let some air in, it just relaxed the whole thing and it showed that this was a really honest piece of music that didn't need to try too hard. It could afford to just be slow and silent and... That's Jess playing the guitar there. Beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful. And then it had a modulation, didn't it? Maybe two. Maybe two. That was amazing. Very beautiful. (laughs) I'm really honoured and touched yeah, it really touched all the bases, didn't it? Good Looking, Dream Factory, all my nicknames and some things that I'm seldom called, which is important to cover. You wrote the lyrics, right? Yeah. Tell me about writing the lyrics. Where were you? What were you feeling? How long did it take? That kind of thing. Talk to me about that.
0: I was under a lot of pressure. I left it till the very last minute and I think I churned them out in about <laughs> half an hour.
1: What do you mean? What pressure? What you, you had a stave deadline?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're busy. They're an actual band. Yeah. And they have lives, and there's three of them. Yeah, And I was asking them for this favor fairly close to Christmas, Yeah, and they were very generous with their time. Yeah, But they had a deadline, and I went right up against it. Nice. And in the end, I got so stressed out, and I just thought, no, I can't do this, this is a disaster, mm. that I just took a deep breath. You know, geniuses will always give you tips like on Masterclass on the Internet. Mm. what to do when you face a blank page kind of thing. Face a blank page and, you know, it's easy for all these people who are successful in their fields. They're always tossing out little nuggets of wisdom and hacks and tips and all this kind of thing. And I've always resented them because I find them very hard to actually incorporate Mm. in your real routine. It's all fine Mm -hmm. once you're successful to retrospectively tell everyone how you did it. But the one thing I've learned is that it's always good to go for a walk. Always good. Even yep, if you yep, feel yep. like, I can't go for a walk, I haven't got time, I've got to do this thing, that's exactly when you should go it's for It's true, a walk. yeah. And so I went for a walk with Dog, and it was a beautiful day, and we just went out for half an hour, and the lyrics that you just heard in that incredible song, I mean, this is going to be hard to believe, but they just came to me within that half hour period while we were out walking. That's hard to believe. Yeah, because if you think, are you thinking about the lyrics? Well, yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> lines such as "There is a tall and handsome man who comes this time of year with tasty
0: Christmas waffles you can stuff inside your ear." Yeah, just I came mean, to that's me. That's really, really good stuff. That is good, isn't it? And what about "Just a taste of corn balls is delightful as champagne"? You can feel his quirky outlook fizzing up your brain because that's sort of you in a nutshell, in a way, isn't it? Because you've got quite a quirky outlook. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I have to admit it,
1: but yes, I do. I like to look askance on the day's news. No, a sideways
0: look on the day's news is something I like to do. I don't like to look at it head on. No. So it's all there, and all of it just came to me. It was as if I was being given an early Christmas gift by Creative Mm -hmm. Masterclass Santa. Pressure on me for the doodle story, though. Yes, brother. Yeah, like the song's going to be formally withdrawn... Yeah, depending on the end of the doodle story, because at the end of last year's podcast, mm. you conveyed about one extra line of the doodle story with Tom I think Cruise, a word. and then there was some what appeared to be genuinely furious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there was there was some Messages. really probably angry people. Yeah, <laughs> so we just have to wait and see. Just have to listen along and see what happens at the end of the podcast. Because there have been major developments, right? There have, yeah. Early, early this year. We'll say no more. we just tease it. Man, that was a wonderful gift. Can I say thank you very, very much to the Staves for doing that? I'll treasure it forever. Yeah. And I particularly appreciate the fact that all the lyrics Adam wrote for you reflect your opinions too, as uh, <laughs> expressed <laughs> in the sincerity of your singing voices.
0: I would like to thank the Staves too. Emily, yeah. Jessica and Camilla. How? I hadn't finished. Thank you so much. Oh, what were you going to say?
1: I say I'll be over on Monday to hang out with you guys because you clearly really dig me. Oh, they
0: said to say they're <laughs> they're actually away. Uh, well, I don't mind. I'll, I can wait. I'll be waiting. They're, they're away for a while, quite a while. Oh,
1: I can wait. Because I've really never had anybody sing a song for me expressing so much adulation.
0: Also, they're all... Married, they all recently got married to quite but violent. There's a lot of
1: marriage, what does it mean these days?
0: Quite violent <laughs> criminals. Like, the criminals aren't violent with them, but they are very jealous and they kill people like you. But clearly, listening to the song,
1: I think the staves would be on my side and they'd defend me. And they're, they're going to know the ins and outs of
2: what their they're violent criminal. They're gonna know their weaknesses, their
0: habits. How much do, further are we gonna
2: keep go with this? <laughs> they <keep> <laughs> with this they'll know where they keep
1: their weapons, and they'll know the trigger words that could send them into like a psychotic <laughs>
0: trance.
2: It
1: feels like we'll one of, away away of, of us has to kind of give
0: <laughs> in. Who's gonna be the one on that gives in and run just run away
1: on a plane to a desert Stop doing the fantasy together, about you singing singing going around to
0: see the stage.
1: Songs. We'll live on an island with them singing songs about me. All
0: right. Is that the end of the? You're going to see the Staves fantasy. Listen, if we were still on the
1: radio together, that would have lasted (laughs) seven or eight hours. (laughs) Now that you do an authoritative podcast, (laughs) you've cut it short.
0: Now that I am the master of concision. But um, links in the description of the podcast to a beautiful Staves playlist for those of you who are new to the world of the Staves. Check it out. They're so good. And there's a great Spotify playlist which contains tracks as well from their excellent new album, Good Woman.
1: Now it just feels like you've done some sort of deal with them.
0: I know, it does sound like that, and I apologise because they didn't ask me to say all this, I just thought it would be polite. Yeah, but I'm starting to wonder whether they meant what they sang. If I'm going out then I wear a mask With my friends and family I wear a mask Having sexual intercourse I wear a mask And when I'm on my own I also wear a mask I have to wear a mask cause I am toxic Terrible things are spilling out of me I also wear a mask cause you are toxic A tiny bit of you could be deadly Mask, mask, put on your mask If you care about the human race Mask, mask, always wear a mask Cover up your frightening deadly face
1: Okay, I'm going to give you a gift. It comes in the form of a quiz. Oh. It's just a quiz I'm going to read to you. Do it. Okay, so this is my quiz. It's a very short quiz and it's very stupid. Which of the following media developments would you most like to keep hold of once the pandemic has ended? Oh, great quiz. Thanks a lot. Number one, TV studio audiences made up of multiple faces on (laughs) flat screen TVs with strange tinny slightly delayed laughter and applause. (laughs) Okay, do you want me to go through them all before you make your choices? Yeah. Number two, no studio audiences, just crew members, producers and floor managers laughing extra loudly from behind the cameras. Zoo style. You can see that in particular on Jimmy Fallon's show. And if you want to see number one TV studio audiences made up of multiple faces on flat screen TVs in action, then I think Ellen DeGeneres is doing it. And I think they did it on the Royal Variety performance a few weeks ago. There was like a whole fake theatre of TV screens, people on TV screens.
0: They did do that. It was really crazy. Yeah, I'm not going to miss that when it goes away. And I want it to stop as soon as possible. All of that. Okay,
1: okay. I've got three more. Number three. All interviewees appearing via low-quality video feeds from their houses with their recently published books prominently displayed on the shelves behind them.
0: (laughs) I've done that myself. I haven't been on any TV shows, but I have made a few podcast appearances and I spent at least half an hour arranging the background beforehand to include a copy of Ramble book and also to include a couple of other books that made me look cleverer. Right. What, turning some of them so the covers face forward like it was a shop display? Yeah, like I sort of arranged them as if I hadn't deliberately placed them there. Like, oh yeah, I was just reading a bit of Bayard Rustin, and I just left it on the shelf there. And uh, oh yeah, it's my Montaigne book. I left the complete (laughs) What a knob.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Number four. Guests in chat
0: shows sitting a very long way apart hate that. I think that might be the most depressing thing. I would rather people weren't in the same room. Graham Norton which is a show that I normally enjoy his chat show, seeing them all spread apart just made me so sad
1: It's odd isn't it? See they did a Jonathan Ross's show came back the other night and they did it on that as well They do a thing on this no not this morning, on Good Morning with Ben Shepard stroke Piers Morgan and Susanna Reid Wait, Ben shepherd has been stroking Piers Morgan? Mm-hmm. They do a thing where they're split screen. You know, they split screen them, but they put them on as if they're sitting shoulder to shoulder, right? Yeah. And they've kind of got a... I think I'm right in saying they've got a Christmas tree, but they've obviously put two Christmas trees, one behind each presenter. But they're identical Christmas trees so that when they do the split screen, the left half of one Christmas tree and the right half of the other join together to create what looks like one Christmas tree between them. Do you get what I mean? Like a mad magazine fold-in. Exactly. But it's quite disturbing because they'll be chatting along, then one of them will raise an arm, and the arm will just sort of weirdly vanish into the middle <laughs> of the Christmas tree.
0: But I thought, good on you for trying. You know, at least yeah. it looks like normality. One thing I'm surprised that no one seems to have done is more kind of trick photography, although I would imagine that would screw around with... The size of the guests. But you know what I mean? Like when they did Elf, yeah, they had a lot of funny foreshortening and trick photography going on Like Lord on of the Rings style. Yeah, to make Will Ferrell look much bigger. How would that help? So what, you'd have two people who were sitting apart from each other, but then you'd shoot sort of... You'd shoot it at an angle so that they look as if they're much closer.
1: Yeah, but one of them would inevitably look much bigger because one of them would be closer to the camera.
0: Yeah, but you get the big guests to go at the back. So they all end up <laughs> so booking at the same size. So you do depending on the
1: size of the guest.
0: Yeah, you have to. That would be the new booking policy. Or you like
1: dress Jonathan Ross as Gandalf, and he's just <laughs> much bigger than all of his guests.
0: Anything is better than just having everyone scattered around. It's just. Depressing. But you see, if they
1: don't make it clear they're obeying the rules, then people get uppity, don't they? They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they've got to put captions on saying, you know, this was filmed before the thingy, or like I saw a children's TV quiz show called The Dog Ate My Homework the Mm -hmm. other day and that had a caption that came up saying something along the lines of studio audience response from previous show." so they'd actually used shots of an audience and their laughter from a pre-pandemic show and intercut them and use the audio over a post-pandemic recording right which is a lot for a child viewer to get their heads around but maybe the producers thought well kids won't understand what we're doing adults will and then the show will just look like it's normal
0: Yeah. Joy imported from a happier age.
1: Yeah, that's what they should have
0: put. Do you want number
1: five? I want loads, mate. Interviewers in the street standing a long way away from their interviewees while holding a mic on the end of a very, very long (laughs) stick. (laughs) So that's your five. The question is, which would you like to hang on to after the pandemic? Which of them do you think actually enhance the viewing experience or the show that you're watching? Number one... Studio audience made up of faces on TV. No. Nope. Number two, no studio audience at all, just crew members laughing from behind the camera extra loud. No. Nope. Number three, all interviewees appearing via low-quality video feeds with their own recently published books on display behind them.
0: I mean, I don't mind that. I think it's sort of occasionally entertaining to see in people's houses. You're right. It is entertaining, is it? That's the best one. And also there's the
1: famous bits where their kiddies come into the That's right. shots. and right. Like they had, a guy,
0: they had a guy on Newsnight the other night... Some Tory councillor who was talking about the restrictions in the tier system. And all I could think about was, look at the size of the guy's printer. He had this <laughs> monolithic printer behind him that was just dwarfing him completely. It was incredible. I was like, what are you printing? You've got a whole magazine being printed from that thing. Presumably some famous people go the other way, right? Yeah. I mean, you can see people who've done that. You can see people filming themselves against a blank wall or something. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the visual aspect of it is pretty tragic because some people are using slightly older laptops, so the webcams and the microphones are really not up to the job. And so you're getting this kind of anti-deluvian tech that was worse than anything in the 50s ever was like a remote link up to the moon in 1969 was better than some of the uh,
3: stuff you're getting on the uh, news (laughs) programmes these days very passionate
1: opinion Adam we really value it on this show thanks a lot for coming on (laughs) would you come back on Monday and uh, talk about pet passports
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes please long time listener Mm, first time mm. caller
1: Thanks very much, Adam in Norwich. It's just coming up to four thirty. Here's the traffic and travel with
2: Cynthia Poopy Pants. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and so, what was the last one? So, I'm, I'm the mickey. last ones were number four, guests in chat show sitting
1: a very long way apart. Yeah, you hate expressed it. your Get revulsion of,
0: of that. Number five, interviewers in the street standing
1: a long way away from their interviewees while holding a mic on the end of a very long stick. I think they should keep doing that. I agree. I like that just because there's slapstick possibilities you know exactly don't get rid of that you gotta keep that you gotta keep that well thanks for taking my quiz that's the end of my
0: quiz can you think of any others how about are you going to be sad when they no longer have adverts that talk about difficult times yeah that are like it hasn't been easy these last few months Mm. homeschooling those kids Finally learning to cook more than just fish fingers. Mm. Piling on the pounds. (sighs) Trying to take them off again with those internet workout videos.
2: This advert
1: knows my life. It knows who I am and what I feel.
0: Finding out what's really important. Yes. Gran really appreciated that picture you and the kids drew of her that you put on your Instagram page, at least once you'd finally explained what Instagram was. Gran! And when was the last time you got to sit down with all the kids and watch their favourite superhero film? But you know what the funny thing is? You're the superhero. Oh, whatever they're selling me, I'm going to buy it. Obviously, you're not as big a superhero as the frontline workers. No Mm. one's saying that. They're the real heroes. But still, you're so amazing and we're so proud of you that for the next six to eight months, we have slashed prices on quad bikes. (laughs)
2: Let's all buy quad
0: bikes! Because you're a hero and you deserve a quad bike. Please get one. (laughs) <laughs> a this sounds quarter. unsympathetic to people in the quad bike business
1: and i don't mean to be you're right i will not miss those um adverts why don't you get the staves to write a song about that one
2: you're listening to the adam Boxing podcast listen when you want unlike a radio podcast listen on the train now on an airplane now an attractive form of transport's not a factor listen on a first date with another primate listen when you're jargon straight to your noggin you're listening to the adam buxton podcast if you don't like it then
1: So you emailed me a few weeks before this podcast. I'm going to find the email from Mm. Adam Buxton. Okay, so here's the email you sent to me. Hey, man. Good start. Blah, 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 blah. Possible idea, colon, something about dreams. How do you feel about doing a song? I confess this is because I was already thinking of doing a very short song about a dream. Literally a 60-second thing. So that's all I had to go on. Yeah. Something about dreams. And the subject of dreams makes me nervous because famously there's something you're not... You know those stupid sort of dinner party rules people sometimes come up with. Like, stuff not to say because it's boring. And, like, talking about your dreams is one of the classic things that's always much, much, much more interesting to you than it is to other people. That's right. But then I thought... Occasionally I write down dreams, like when I have a really, really powerful dream, I write them down. So I went back to look at my dreams, Mm. and I have had a couple of corkers, so I thought maybe it would be good. So I wrote a song based on
0: a couple of my dreams, but what were you thinking of? What was your angle on this? Very similar. I mean, I remember towards the beginning of the first lockdown in this year of 2020, a few people I heard talking about the fact that their dreams had become very vivid after the domestic routine had really taken hold three weeks into the lockdown or something, Mm. I heard a lot of people saying, are you getting mad dreams? Because I really am. And I think most people seem to agree that it was the combination of this uncertainty and anxiety about the situation combined with maybe, I don't know, excess alcohol intake or Mm. whatever it might be. But a lot of people, for whatever reason were experiencing strange dreams. And one of the ones that I woke up from was a real old-school anxiety dream that I hadn't had for years and years. So for this one, I went to my computer. Sometimes I will create a jingle or a song using just a bit of library music, and I'll extemporise over the top. This was Mm -hmm. not one of those occasions. This is one of the rare occasions where I actually constructed the track myself and i played all the synthesizers and what are you hoping to gain by telling us this sympathy respect i suppose (laughs) (laughs) maybe this is a good opportunity to thank native instruments who supplied me with some vsts (sighs) this year and i said that i would give them a shout out really anyway check out the amazing range of VST instruments from Native Instruments I endorse them I'm not sure if that was one of them on the track A lot but of
1: plugging in this Christmas podcast
0: Yeah, that's what Christmas is about We've had the
1: staves, we've had Coke Zero And now we've got VST <laughs> synthesizers
0: you go. That's a traditional Things Christmas plug fest
1: Plug fest
0: So do you want me to go first? Sure This song was about a dream I had In which we were putting on a play And I write about the play in my book, in Ramble Book. It was a production of Bugsy Malone. We really went to town on it. I was playing Fat Sam or Big Bone Sam, as I preferred to identify, because I didn't particularly relish the fat shaming that was going on when you cast me. Hey, the fat shaming is in the text. Anyway, it turned out to be fun. And it was such an incredibly memorable and joyous experience, very intense experience. So I dream about it still. And this is the song that came out of that. Oh, I had a dream I was back at school, putting on a play with my friends. It was the opening night, but I did not know my lines. We had spent months and months painting sets and making costumes and posters for the play, but we had not rehearsed the play. I did What I was supposed to say And yet the rest of the cast Knew all of their words And their moves and the songs in the play And they were shaking their heads As the curtain went up And I was still asking what I should say And suddenly I knew what to do I sat on stage and did a is that what happened in the dream? Yeah.
1: <laughs> did you wake up at that point or did the dream continue after you made your deposit on the stage?
0: No, I woke up, I think, with a tremendous scuff. Was it like a nightmare on Elm
1: Street and you brought the poo <laughs> from the dream into reality?
0: No, no. You, it you wasn't woke like up that. with a poo. I'm in glad your
1: hand. to say. Anyway, so, did that take you back? I thought that was terrific. I mean, I like the simplicity of the song. It was really telling the story in a very direct (laughs) way. And it had a surprised ending that I like very much. Do you want to hear mine? Yes, please. So, like I said, when I have a particularly crazy dream, I grab my laptop and type it in. So, I've got quite a few here but I've whittled it down to the sexiest ones because oh. Christmas is an erotic time. Of course it and is. And <laughs> I feel that listeners might want a little bit of um, something to warm their cockles and, you know, put a bit of shine on their baubles. <laughs> bit of sparkle. So anyway, erotic dreams. So here's one titled Erotic Kylie Minogue Dream. Last night I dreamt I'd convinced Kylie Minogue and Nick Cave that I was a feral child and to adopt me. <laughs> I lived in their house in burlap pyjamas, reading the New York Review of Books (laughs) with crooked fingers as if I was just looking at the pictures and grunting and flailing about. I'm pretending (laughs) I'm a feral child, but they don't know I'm not. That's very specific. When they go out to see a movie, I drop the act, lie on their sofa and watch TV. When they come back, I go feral again. Kylie takes pity on me. She lies on her side, unbuttons her shirt, and breastfeeds me.
0: Whoa, hang on a erotic. second. Merry yeah. Christmas and everything, but <laughs> where did that... <laughs> I, because
1: I just had a baby. There was a lot of breastfeeding going on in the house.
0: Right, okay. I didn't realise you were so heavily invested in the lore of Kylie and Nick Cave. Well, I'd watched that Nick Cave movie, what is it called, Once More With Feeling the 3D black and white
1: one, which is incredibly good. Mm-hmm. And I'd watched it in 3D, and it obviously just you know that's what dreams do, don't they? They take the sort of um lucky dip of your recent experiences or past experiences and then just assemble something from randomly grabbed bits. Right, and bobs it's a little, a little bit of an impression remix, isn't it? Yeah, with a little peppering of your weird psychoses or um neuroses. Over Slash desires, yeah. Slash desires. Who wouldn't want to be breastfed by Kylie? So that was one, and then another one was um, more homoerotic. The title is Homoerotic: George Michael and Matt Goss Dream. Tonight, I dreamt about George Michael and Andrew Ridgeley at the height of their '80s fame, hanging out on a street corner in London with Bros at the height of their fame. Obviously, in reality, their fame wasn't concurrent, but the dream converged their moments of fame in the dream their career peaks were concurrent George is secretly gay and fancies Matt Goss although no one knows it Matt Goss is a bit thick but very good looking and happy go lucky so George convinces him to try a fun trick where he says now listen Matt did you know that if two people lie on top of each other and rub their bodies together in a room where the lights are off it can generate enough static electricity to make the lights go on (laughs) (laughs)
0: Is this something that someone told you in real life? No, it's just in the dream. dream.
1: Matt Goss (laughs) agrees to try this, but it doesn't work, so George tells him they have to do it
2: harder for longer.
0: (laughs) 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 Where did that come from? (laughs) That must be based on real science, though. I mean, that makes sense. That has the ring of scientific truth. I think if Christopher Nolan made a film based on that, you would think, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, that sounds right. The science sounds solid.
1: I was very excited by that dream. I told lots of people about it. I texted a couple of friends about it the next day. I'm not sure what they thought of me (laughs) because it seemed like such a specific and sexy and unusual dream. Yeah. So anyway, so my song is about those two dreams. Yeah. Oh, man. So what I was going for here was I thought like, well, what are the classic dream songs? Mr. Sandman, right? Who's that by? Um... It's a female oh, a cappella The group. Cordettes. Right. So I'm trying to kind of do a sound alike of that. I was going for a sort of Flying Pickets a cappella kind of vibe. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Is it too late for something to be Christmas number one? Because Flying Pickets was <laughs> Christmas number one, wasn't it? Is it too late? No, it's not
0: too late. Let's get okay. it to number one. Fingers crossed. Here we go.
2: I had a dream. I was living with Nick Cave and Kylie Minogue. Boom, 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 boom. I was a feral child, she was my sexy mama. Next thing I know, she took off her shirt, popped out a boob. I swear this is true. She was feeding me breast milk, making me happy. It was lovely but lewd. My next dream was kinda Homo erotic and it featured my Goss. Bum, 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 bum. George bum, Michael was bum, trying to bum, have it away bum, with bum, the lead singer bum, of brass. Bum, bum, Matt didn't bum, know George bum, was gay, but bum, George got bum, his way bum, with bum, an electrical bum, line. Bum, bum, bum. He said it might sound silly, but if we rub our willies, we can make the light shine. I don't know what these dreams mean, but if I had to guess, I would say that perhaps. I've got personal problems deep down in my brain that come out during naps. But I really don't mind, because whenever it's time to drift off to sleep, I know that I'll be totally free to be dementedly me.
1: it gets a bit sincere at the end there.
0: Yes. Yeah. The only place that you can be yourself is in your unconscious mind. It's tragic, but true. So much being forced down there to maintain... Yeah. A public face, a veneer of what you consider to be or what society has yeah, told you yeah. is acceptable.
1: Where else would George Michael and Matt Goss rub their bodies together to try and create enough static to make a light bulb glow?
0: <laughs> in a music video. But in my dreams. And in your dreams. Well, that I mean, that is definitely that's got Christmas number one written all over it. <laughs> you know, it's,
1: it's they're weird dreams, but both have a sort of um, warmth to them. Definitely, the maternal glow of a mother feeding <laughs> <laughs> a middle-aged man pretending to be a, f- a feral child, and two of Britain's most valued heart Teen pop
0: stars. Demonstrating basically Furiously physics. frotting physics. in order to create enough <laughs> energy to power a light source. Merry Christmas.
2: The holiday horn it goes Holiday time. Have a carrot.
0: Have two carats. Go to the toilet, take your time. Holiday time
1: Do you want another gift from me?
0: Yes, please. So it's been a banner year for Buckles, I think. Do you reckon? It's been a big year for you. Yeah, the launch of Ramble Book. Yeah, but it was a little bit muted. I mean, there's been the pandemic
1: and... Yeah, but it was a smash. And there was a Buckles Media Blitz (laughs) mid-year, wasn't there? It felt to me... I mean, maybe I'm extra sensitive because I, I keep my eyes out. But it felt to me
0: like you were all over the media. You were Book of the Week on Radio 4. That was a big deal. That's a big deal. That was overground. That resulted yeah. in people I hadn't heard from for many, many years getting in touch and saying, Hey, I heard your book. It was nice. I very much enjoyed hearing a chapter about our school days. Oh, yeah.
1: On Radio 4 at lunchtime while I was making the tea. I thought maybe they would just focus on the stuff about your dad. But I'm pleased they put in a jaycorn chapter.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, yeah. they had to have a J-corn yeah. chapter. That was course, an
1: important stipulation. So yeah, big year But one of the things I really enjoyed Was your interview with a very, very good DJ On Five Live called Nihal whose show I've been on Who does quite in-depth interviews with people
0: Oh yes, Nihal Arthur Nayaka I think is how you pronounce mm. his name And yeah, Radio Five And he used to be He was a rapper He was in Collapsed Lungs Really? Yeah, they had a hit with Eat My Gold Do you remember that? I do, yeah.
1: He's really good. He does a very, very good show. As I say, I went on it myself. But sometimes when you've got a full day of press and you turn up at something like that, you're not quite sure to expect. Like I remember it taking me by surprise how in depth it was and how yeah. knowledgeable he was, and yeah, yeah, how yeah. serious he took me in a really nice way. But he did the same with you. He really went deep, and he talked about you know it was quite emotional talking about your dad. And your career and stuff like that, right? Do you remember it being quite a a profound interview?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd heard him before and I liked him, otherwise I wouldn't have agreed to do it. But it was the middle of the afternoon and I did think like, oh, well, this is going to be sort of knockabout and it'll probably be five minutes of just... It was live, right?
1: It was live,
0: yeah. Yeah. And you dial in and I did it uh, remotely, obviously, and... He went in fairly quickly within the first couple of minutes to talking about my relationship with my dad and how I dealt with the grief of losing him and all this kind of stuff. And it was like, whoa, I had to really scramble to recalibrate. But yes, it, it was good. It was a good conversation.
1: But it made me laugh at the end because uh, he just said something at the end that made me laugh and your reaction to it made me laugh. Here's
3: a clip of it. Considering how many podcasts there are out there and the fact that yours is the 49th most popular in the UK, I mean, that's an extraordinary testament to how good you are at what you do because you know 49th don't worry I'll move up I'm sure but you know considering (laughs) hundreds of thousands everyone's got a podcast haven't they everyone's got a podcast I know I've got a couple of them Uh, and they're certainly not in the 49th most probably in the UK yours
1: is so he's obviously being nice he's a really nice guy he's being nice but I think as far as I know the way the podcast charts work the thing that's got the most new listeners each week is at number one. That's how they measure it. So you're – as far as I'm concerned, I think I'm right in saying your podcast is sometimes number one. has been in the t- – not that you care, but for the sake of this – it's quite high up the charts, and 49th is not a correct representation of how popular it is that's what i thought when i heard that
0: that's exactly what i thought when i heard that well (laughs) Well, the way
1: you react is funny because you suddenly become your dad and then you become aware that you you become aware that you reacted quite strongly and then you can hear yourself in the
0: background going
1: uh i was joking you say under your breath
0: i know you are absolutely correct you know my mind my squirmy mind but listen,
1: I don't want to make a big thing out of it. What I want to make out of it is a jingle for you. So I made a jingle for you. Here we are.
3: Considering how many podcasts there are out there, and the fact that yours is the 49th. 49th! 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 Most popular in the UK. 49th! 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 Don't worry, I'll move up. 49th! 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 Forty ninth, forty ninth, Everyone's got a podcast. Forty ninth, forty ninth, forty ninth, forty That's an extraordinary testament to how good you are at what you do. 49th.
1: It's not an extraordinary testament <laughs> to how good you are at what you do to be 49th.
3: I
0: mean, it's just never a good number. And of course, in his mind, he's thinking like, yeah. But if you think about the thousands of podcasts available, no, probably. he's a brilliant DJ. But point. I
1: don't know what he's saying there. Yeah, it feels like he's damning you with faint praise.
0: I know. In that moment, you know how like your brain short circuits, your insecurities take hold in those pressured moments. I think I sort of thought like, is he taking the piss? Ah. Forty nine is not a good number. I mean, of course, it is in the scheme of things. There are thousands of podcasts out there. No, it's not a question of modesty, it's a question of
1: facts. Right. And I look at those charts, and you're usually top 10. I mean, I have at been. least top 20 material. Yeah. But they work, as I say, on, on the amount of new listeners yeah. to something gets, which keep. But anyway, I thought that made me laugh. And there's yeah. a certain amount of pleasure I take in uh, hearing you humiliated. <laughs>
0: Christmas in this country, Jay Corn, has traditionally been associated with a few festive figures, apart from Santa. Can you Mm. name the main ones of those festive UK figures?
1: Correct, first on the list, yes. The two Ronnies? No, Morecambe and Wise, with their Christmas specials that get repeated ad nauseam.
0: Try and get a bit more up to date. (laughs) (laughs) Stay telly, but get a bit more up to date.
1: I don't know, I don't watch telly at Christmas. Go on, tell me. Mrs. Brown.
0: Okay, fair enough. Idris Elba, doing the Sky ads. Yes. Jimmy Carr, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) But the big one, the big perennial figure, apart from Santa, associated with Christmas, year upon year, for time immemorial, is... The Queen. A Lara, Lara Queen. Her match. How much longer, however, at this point, we have to consider, will the Queen be part of our lives? A lot longer, Adam. I hope so. I mean, she'll always be part of our lives. I mean, the thing is that apart from the fact that she is now 94, she and the rest of the royal family are in the process of trying to withstand an unprecedented, I'm going to use that word, assault in the form of the TV series The Crown. Mm. Have you seen any of the fourth series of The Crown? I have seen a little bit of it, yeah. What do you make of it? Well, mm, I
1: like mm. the scene <laughs> where Princess Diana was dressed as the little sort of Shakespearean Midsummer Night's Dream fawn.
0: Okay, that was fairly she,
1: early on in the yeah, season. Yeah, I've only seen the first episode. Not because yeah. I don't want to see it, just pressure of time. And she's sort of hoppity skippeting behind plant pots In the lobby of a very massive house, and a young Prince Charles.
0: My wife um, loves the crown. That's changed. That's strange. It's not robotic
1: anymore. That was more. um, It was a little strangled. Yeah, it was. My wife loves the crown. Mm. It's like (laughs) a man who lives in the air conditioning system, whose wife's divorced him. Like, but he's snuck back into the, in the X <laughs> Yeah, He lives in the air. And he's just looking at her at the end of <laughs> a steel tunnel,
0: plaintively
2: going, like
0: She used to be his wife. Anyway, so when I'm not doing that, we are watching the crown and for anyone who has successfully managed to avoid the whole thing congratulations but let me tell you that it is a biographical series that has stirred up quite a bit of controversy for playing Mm. pretty fast and loose with the actual facts of history and peter morgan who has written i think every episode yes confessed basically to saying yeah i made quite a bit of it up But, I mean, it's true in spirit. He's saying, yes, it's based on actual things that happened in history, but, yeah, we've monkeyed around with the chronology and sometimes with the actual facts of how things happened. But the spirit is true, and uh, we've stuck to that, as if you can Mm. measure that. So um, it's weird watching it because, especially for someone who grew up in the 80s, there's all these incidents that I remember very clearly absorbing via the news, but not really caring about at the time and not really being fully aware of. You know, it was just you couldn't really avoid them. So most of these stories pop up in one way or another in The Crown. However, for someone like you, Jay Corn, who hasn't watched the whole thing, Mm. I thought it would be a good opportunity to give you a little quiz. And so what I've done is come up with three crown style historical scenarios featuring prominent members of the royal family a lot of queen charles diana and prince philip and these are based on historical cultural moments from the 80s but the Mm. question is were they in the crown and second question did they really (laughs) happen at all
1: yeah okay right yeah so were they dramatized in the crown
0: Were they dramatising the crown? Yeah, this is good. And did they happen? How many are there? Three. Okay. Now, the question is, (laughs) do you think I need to explain the impression of the Queen that I do? No. Okay. Are you sure?
1: Yeah, I think it's... I mean, A, the explanation would be so convoluted and drain all the humour out of it. (laughs) That's what I would caution
0: against. And B, you know, just deal with it. All right. Here we go. This is scene one. From Buckle's version of The Crown. Alright, Princess Diana, you gotta to go to a Laura Laura glamorous premiere tonight, and it's a full of film splash. It's directed by Ron Howard from Happy Days, and it's got a Laura Darren Hannah in it as a mermaid. Sounds crap, but you gotta go. I don't mind. I like pop culture, because I'm nice and normal, not a horrible posh monster like you. Well, you're quite posh yourself, Laura, Laura, blinded data. Is Prince Charles coming to the premiere of Splash? Uh, no, sorry, I'm Prince Philip. Uh, Charles can't come to the premiere of Splash. He's having his affair tonight, Camilla. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe if there's someone really nice in Splash, I'll meet them at the premiere and we'll become friends. Hello, I'm Michael Burke, and this is a fake 80s news report from the premiere of Splash, where Princess Diana is saying hello to the cast. Hello. Hi. I thought you were very good in the film Splash. Thank you. What's your name? I'm Tom Hanks, Princess Diana. I'm just about to become a big star. Wow, that's great. You seem really nice. I am really nice. I'm Tom Hanks. I'm one of the nicest guys in the world. Oh, will you become one of my closest showbiz friends? Uh, Yeah, sure, that would be great. There's a snake in my boot. Oh... There we go. That's the end of that first scenario. I want to know what happens next with the snake. Of course. So the two questions you have to answer are, was that event featured in The Crown? No. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) We did not see Princess Diana going to the premiere of Splash in 1984. Did she go to the premiere of Splash? But that's the next question. Did it happen? Yeah. Did it it happen? Of course
1: it did. I bet you she did.
0: Incorrect. Is that true? She did not go to the premiere of Splash of course Why? she didn't go to the premiere Why of Splash? not? <laughs> it's a big movie.
1: It's a big hit. It was a it's surprise hit. Yeah, by the time it came to the UK, it
0: was a big hit. It wasn't a royal premiere big hit. It could have been. It could have been. No. There's
1: a six-month delay between the US and UK releases.
0: However, she did attend a premiere of a Ron Howard film where she did meet Tom Hanks. And it was nearly ten years later in the 90s. Apollo 14, 13, probably. Correct. It was Apollo 13. That's where, as far as I'm aware, that's where she first met Tom Hanks. Anyway, here is scenario number two. And this is Saturday, the 13th of July, 1985, Wembley Stadium. Oh, I know that date. Yep. And here we join one of the big bands who were performing at the venue that day as they come off stage. Whoa, yeah! Well done, John and Roger, and the other two guys. That was a cool live aid set we just did. Hello. Hi. You're Simon LeBon, aren't you? From Duran Duran. Yes, I am Simon LeBon. That's right. Do you like our music? Yes, I do. I love it. Cooling. Sometimes I skateboard round Buckingham Palace listening to it, wearing leg warmers and dealy boppers. And it makes my family really angry because they're boring and uptight and I'm nice. Yes, you are nice. Quiet, you creep. Okay, Uh, Diana, I'm Prince Charles. I think we should go. I want to carry on my affair with Camilla Parker Bowles and shoot an animal because I'm horrible. But Charles, it's time for the biggest act of the day. Hello. Are you ready for Queen? Alora. <laughs> Laura, Laura. <laughs> Laura, Lully Beef, Lully Laura, Laura, Lully Beef, a blinder, data. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Choco data.
1: I don't want that to stop. I don't <laughs> want it to end. I want to hear the whole set.
0: Queen at Live Aid. Of course. Of course. Anyway, would you like to tell me if that scene or any version of it was depicted in The Crown? Uh well, it did happen. The Queen wasn't there though. No, but Queen did perform at Live Aid
1: and Diana Queen was there performed and at, Charles at Live Aid. And were
2: there.
0: The Queen didn't. Charles and Diana yeah. were there. Duran Duran were not there. They were at JFK Stadium in America.
1: Thanks for correcting me on that. <laughs>
0: that one the
1: queen didn't actually perform (laughs) you sounded grumpy when you said it as if uh... but um and what's the second question did it happen in the well i don't know uh on the one hand live aid's been so thoroughly done by the movie the queen movie that maybe they wouldn't have trodden the same ground on the other hand it's such a culturally important event i'll say yes they did
0: no they didn't but i think they should have done can you imagine it would have been so fun because the whole fun of the crown i think apart from the fact that people are interested and emotionally invested in diana especially but it has (laughs) the power of the bad biopic people love a bad biopic yeah listen do
1: they in the crown introduce themselves by their names in every scene (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> well here's another scene I mean yes is the answer yeah they do, do. They. But and that, and that it's makes very it much easier to tell who everyone is yeah. that's the genius of Peter Morgan yeah. it's very useful shorthand for a biopic if you can't be absolutely certain that you can rely on the performance from the actor just pop in a line mm-hmm. that says something like who they are and yeah. then job done yeah. so here's the final clip this is a meeting between the Queen and a certain Lady Prime Minister. Her Majesty the Queen will see you now, Mrs Thatcher. Thank you. Hello, Your Majesty. How wonderful to see you, F.O. I'm Margaret Thatcher, Scully. Oh, sharp, up, it, bloody Margaret Thatcher? Why don't you do a Laura Laura sanctions against the apartheid regime of South Africa? Bloody racist, innit? I know. But unfortunately, Your Majesty, it's just not that simple. I'm Margaret Thatcher! <laughs> yeah, all right. All right, shut so, Margaret Thatcher, Laura, Laura. You know, some people think I'm frosty and uncaring, but compared to you, Margaret Thatcher, I'm really nice of Lully Beef, innit? Well, I'm sorry you feel that way, Your Majesty, but the truth is out there, and I... I'm Oh, no, don't do that. Come on, chuck nora, nora.
2: Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Oh, thank goodness.
0: <laughs> That's good. So that is a meeting between the Queen and the Premier at the time, Margaret Thatcher,
2: mm-hmm.
0: played in The Crown brilliantly mm. by Gillian Anderson. Mm. Now, there were some references to a previous role that Gillian Anderson played. Mm. Did you pick up on any of those? <laughs> I didn't really have to pick
1: up on them because they were, like, rammed into my face. It was more a question of peeling them off me <laughs> than picking them up.
0: Scrubbing them
1: yeah, up. Scr- yes, scrubbing them off. <laughs> with
0: steel wool. Um,
1: but I appreciate how you're positioning this.
0: Um, Come on.
1: So that, I mean, there's been some controversy, particularly around their portrayal of Thatcher's Meeting with the Queen, right? hmm I've read bits and bobs about it that apparently people think it's not very accurate. But I don't know the details. So the first question is, did that happen in The Crown? Was it in The Crown? Was that scene portrayed in The Crown? Yes. Correct. Do you watch that sort of thing and think, this is a couple of jokes away from a comedy sketch? Do you mean, do I watch a show like The Crown? Yeah. Yeah, man. Because it's actors
0: doing impressions... Of famous people. Yeah. When Gillian Anderson first appears as Thatcher, I just laughed and laughed and laughed. She's made the decision to go really hard on the impression. I have really that with big.
1: movies as well, like the Freddie Mercury movie. Am I alone or does everyone sort of is, – is that part of the
0: enjoyment of stuff like that? Yeah, like, um... I think it is, yeah. Because I want to complete my thought about Julian Anderson. Mm. It's a brilliant portrayal and it's a mm. brilliant impression. Mm. It's not such a big and mad impression that it prevents you from engaging with the character. Mm. She's amazing. But it is big and you have to adjust. It's not like when Meryl Streep played Thatcher – She did something far more low-key, I think. Yes. And that was clearly a decision that she made. But, no, Gillian went the opposite way. And it's tremendous. Hey, look, speaking of the Royals, as we speak, a few days ago there was a trailer that hit the media for a new podcast, which is another threat to the high chart position of this one, 49, Mm -hmm. and it is by Harry and Meghan. Have you heard that podcast trailer? I haven't heard it. I read about it.
1: <laughs> there was a piece in a newspaper that was sort of breaking it down, saying that their trailer for their podcast sort of hits all the... Class- uh, there's basically a set of sort of cliches now for podcasts, and the article was saying that theirs sort of adheres to the cliche template to a ridiculous extent.
0: I would say that's true. I've done a version of the beginning part of the trailer just to give you an idea of what you're dealing with. Sh- shall I start, or do you want to start, Megan, because you're a beautiful lady? No, why don't you start? Because you have a sexy British accent, like James Bond. Oh, really? hmm Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I mean, mm, listen to that accent. Oh, I've never really had a compliment from a lovely, lovely woman before. Uh-huh, okay. Actually, just before we start, I think I've had a really good idea. Uh-huh. Well, you know these bits, with us just talking like normal people before we start doing the trailer Mm -hmm. why don't we keep them in the trailer at the beginning sure don't you think that would be quite fun yeah okay let's do harry's idea and we should start yeah hi guys i'm just a guy and i'm called harry and i'm the duchess of megan and one of the things that me and my husband always talk about is how much we love talking to other people and saying things like what do you do and oh that's interesting And then talking about ourselves. And that's what this project is all about. I'm not reading these words off a piece of paper. I'm just thinking them up with my head, then saying them like a guy would when he talked to you. This has been a really hard year, but it's reminded us that people can be amazing. And those are the people we're going to be talking to on the podcast. And the first episode will be... A Christmas special. Harry, don't say the C word. Sorry. A holiday special. Dum, 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 holiday, holiday, yum, yum, yum. Aha, uh-huh, what is that? I'm just doing some bad singing, you know, like normal people do, and I thought we could keep it in the trailer like before. All right, I'll do some too. Ding, 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 holiday, holiday, holiday. holiday um, yum, yum, yum. I love podcasts, Megan, they're so informal. So that's a kind of <laughs> satirical takedown of the trailer that they've made, and large sections of it are accurate.
1: <laughs> I haven't heard the real trailer
0: it's like that is it really like that yeah it's a lot like that oh no (laughs) (laughs) i mean first of all i want to know i'm not going to rehash all the things that everybody has said about this thing so far i think fine good luck to them have fun i'm sure they'll have access to some genuinely interesting people go for it but you know first louis who really doesn't (laughs) need to do a podcast comes and just absolutely tramples all over my patch now it's harry and the duchess of Meghan. they've got other things that they could do surely why do they need to come and jump about in my private playground it's one of the last
1: surviving forms of media that's like pandemic proof exactly isn't it that's why lt jumped in because he couldn't do roving reporting
0: through, yeah yeah Anyway, I'm, I'm being nudged out is what I'm saying. I'm being aggressively nudged, out. nudged, nudged out. out of the picture by some heavy hitters. Yeah. Who do you think they will get on the podcast? What kind of guests? Well, I think they could get... Who
1: would they get? Like, maybe Tim Vine? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be good. He would be good. I think it should just be you and Richard Herring. Take it in turns.
0: take it in turns with Richard Herring asking Harry if he's ever sucked his own cock (laughs) (laughs) and asking Megan if she would prefer a ham hand or an armpit that dispenses sun cream yeah I think that would be good Well, it's that time, man.
1: Oh, I forgot about this. I thought yeah. we were just going to wrap things up. But of course, there's one outstanding thing. There is the outstanding thing. The
2: Doodle Story.
1: So the Doodle Story. So for people who might be new to this podcast, should we bring them up to speed on what the Doodle Story is? Yeah. So this is a story I don't Year even remember.
3: <laughs> I don't even Year remember.
1: why. So I started telling a story about when I first met Tom Cruise, I can't even remember how it came up. Well,
0: you had told me the story after it happened. Yes. And it was a sort of mildly amusing story. Yeah. And I think in the course of talking about you having gone on the set of The Force Awakens, the new Star Wars film, you'd been invited there by J.J. Abrams. And that kind of name-droppy Hollywood chat made me think of your Tom Cruise doodle story. And I said, oh, what was that thing that happened with you and Tom Cruise? Why did I not
1: tell it all the way through the first time?
0: Because you just suddenly went all weird and like, oh, I don't think I should tell this story because I'm in the dream factory. And when you're in the dream factory, you're not supposed is that to tell was? tales. Or I don't know what it was, but you refused to tell the whole story. Right. And anyway, for the last five, <laughs>
1: for the last five years, I've been drip feeding the story. And the story, <laughs> can you
0: tell me, let's hear the story from your perspective. What is oh, the story? Man. The story is... You had been drafted in, you and Edgar Wright, to do some writing on Steven Spielberg's version of Tintin. Yes. And you were out in Los Angeles having a meeting with Spielberg. Yes. Peter Jackson was either in the room or on a conference call or not involved at all yeah Simon Pegg was in the room. Nick Frost was in the room. They were both doing voices mm, that 's all in debatable.
1: Nick being in the room is
0: debatable all right. Nick being in the room is debatable. all these facts are wobbly. You are scribbling away, doodling on a notepad i 'm drawing a picture of i 'm going to take the reins i 'm drawing right. a picture of snowy,
1: and i haven 't completed his front left leg and Tom Cruise comes in, says hello to everybody, sits down next to me. The conversation's drifting in other directions between. Spielberg and Co. Tom turns to look at my drawing. I'm drawing Snowy the dog. He says, Sir, uh, is that your doodle? I said, Yeah. He said, that, that, That's a good doodle. He said, Thanks, man. And then he picks up the pen and goes, Can I doodle? I said, Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So but instead of drawing a a hoof, he draws It's as if he suddenly doesn't trust me or where the doodle goes. So he just draws a black square. This is the sixth time a lot of people are hearing this story. He loses
0: confidence in the hoof. He loses confidence
1: in the hoof. This is my – I'm not sure that's what happened, but this is what I imagine.
0: It's like a Bible story. It's a timeless (laughs) narrative that is handed on from generation to
1: generation. Yeah, and it's like Chinese whispers. It changes Mm -hmm. each time. It's exaggerations and um, embellishments. And uh, he's maybe thinking, man, I have have no idea whether this hoof I'm drawing will turn into some massively extended drip fed story in a very popular top 49 <laughs> podcast. It's <laughs> probably
0: what he's thinking. Yeah, I wouldn't want that to happen. He's thinking he's thinking, no.
1: So instead of drawing a hoof, he just draws a black square, which can be seen on my Instagram page. Mr. Joe Cornish. There you go. You can see the actual doodle. And then he holds up the piece of paper and he turns to Spielberg and sort of interrupts him and says, uh, Hey, Stephen, I've given Snowy a hoof. And Spielberg turns around and says to him... <laughs> <laughs> this is where it ended. Is that story? <laughs> And Spielberg says, Oh, that's great, Tom. And that's the end of the story.
0: Adam, hello? Wait, 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 wait. Um, <laughs> Let's move on quickly. I'm still... I'm still processing. You know this story. This is not I'd new to you. I'd forgotten it. And the thing is <laughs> that with a punchline like that, yeah. no, but you it's have not to necessarily going to lodge in the memory me. for however long it's been. Ten years since I first heard the story. Listen. And then five years since you've been spinning it out. Full transparency.
1: The weakness of the punchline is one of the reasons I've been spinning it out to try and delay the moment.
0: What kind of emotional turmoil? Did you ever, like, lie awake at night sweating, thinking, I'm going to be unmasked at some point. At some point, this will end. And then I'm going to be dragged through the streets and dismembered. No, because luckily, something else happened that takes the story
1: into a whole (laughs) new realm, which is at the beginning of this year, pre-lockdown,
0: Adam and I were invited to Simon Pegg's 50th birthday party. On the 14th of February, 2020, Valentine's Day, and warning, there is going to be all the name dropping. And I have to say, like, even before
1: that party had happened, I'd spoken to Simon and said, look, I'm in a bind with this Tom Cruise story. The punchline is very, very weak. (laughs) (laughs) And I've stretched it out over five years. And last year, people were genuinely angry about it. So get me out of a hole. Get me in. I want Tom to come on the podcast and I need to discuss it with him. That's the only way out of the hole. Simon said, absolutely fine. Tom will be up for that. We'll arrange it. Come and visit the set of the new Mission Impossible film. Adam can come too. We'll record a brilliant bit. It'll be hilarious. Then the pandemic hits, right? But before the pandemic, we get invited to the
0: party. Right. So you're setting up stuff I didn't know. I didn't realise that it was a possibility that we might actually record with... TC. So, listeners, you must be made aware now that that did not happen. There's not a bit of audio of Tom Cruise talking about the doodle story that I'm going to unveil at the end of this podcast. Sorry, but no.
1: It could have happened, but two things happened first. Simon's fiftieth party happened first, and Adam and I both turned up at Simon's fiftieth
0: birthday party. And lo and behold, who was there? Well, I'll tell you who was there before we get to the obvious guest of honour. Right. I mean, this is a star-studded party, so as well as members of Simon's friends and family, we are looking at J.J. Abrams, Gillian Anderson, a.k.a. Mrs. Thatcher, Olivia Coleman, a.k.a. Laura Laura, the Queen, Bill Bailey, the comedian, Jeremy Dyson, Mark Gatiss from the League of Gentlemen, Chris Martin from Coldplay, Joe Wiley, Radio 1, Radio 2, DJ, Edgar Wright, Henry Cavill, Superman and co-star of Mission Impossible 5, 6 I don't know. Anyway you got a Laura Laura stars there right? But it wasn't definite that Tom Cruise was going to turn up but we were all saying like do you think Tom Cruise will come? Sure enough fairly early on in the party the doors open and in comes Tomcat and I was talking to Joe facing away from the door and Joe goes don't don't cruise, don't Don't turn around, don't turn around, don't turn around. <laughs> <laughs> so I almost immediately turned around, and there he was, and it was quite crazy. I'm excited for you because
1: yeah. I'm always rubbing it in your face that I've met him. Yes, and then I thought this is an amazing moment. Now Adam's going to get to uh, experience what I'm so used to.
0: I noticed that you didn't immediately go over and say, hey, Tom, nor did he do that with you. No, that's true. You were both playing it quite cool. Well, it was a very busy party. (laughs) It was a busy party. Mm. Anyway, none of us went over to Tom Cruise because even though Jay Corn had his amazing doodle story experience with him and may have had other experiences, I don't know, it wasn't appropriate in that moment. And the force field of the sheer celebrity around him was such that You just didn't feel able to pierce it, and it wasn't because he had a big entourage or was putting on airs or anything like that. He was just like no, it was just like that is Tom Cruise. He's been in you say that a lot of films, but lots of
1: people going up and talking to him. He's not an unapproachable person. He's famous for that. Even at premieres, he's like famous for signing absolutely every single autograph and hanging around with people. I don't think he's unapproachable at all. And in fact, later in the evening, you know, the sort of very drunk person that you get trapped with at a
0: party. I saw that guy too. Yeah,
1: well, it was a woman I saw, but several very drunk people were just literally pinning him, not literally pinning him down, but, you know, talking to him in such a way as I felt, oh, should I go and rescue him from that person? Just like
0: you would any person at a party. I noticed that happening too, but I also noticed that no one was rescuing him. (laughs) I was thinking, man, that must be a nightmare. And that must be why he doesn't probably go to a lot of parties I would imagine if he's got any sense but he was there for ages usually what happens with big stars turning up at a party is they go there they get their picture taken and then they're out as quick as possible in my limited experience of megastar parties but he was there for a good three four hours or something but it was a very personal private friends party wasn't it yeah and yeah it was. all these
1: people are genuinely Simon's friends right? that's right it's not like the launch party for a new Fragrance or something.
0: No, it was a good good scene, good vibe. It was vibe. a proper
1: party with lots of friends, that who, some of whom happened to be um, famous. Yeah.
0: And for that reason, I didn't immediately start planning to invade the Tom Sphere. Well done. I just thought, oh, well, there he is. <laughs> Let him enjoy his party. I'm not going to go over and start being a dick. But later you did. Well, later on, I was at the bar chatting to Kevin Eldon and... Suddenly I feel two hands being laid on my two shoulders, and it is Simon Pegg, and he's saying, come with me. This is because I said to Simon,
1: hey, Simon, introduce Adam to Tom. You've got to get Adam to speak to Tom. Simon said, okay. "Okay," and this is what happened.
0: So he literally manhandled me over, marched me across the room, and I could see Joe and my wife over in the corner watching me and laughing. And I'm thinking, oh man, here we go, here we go. But it was too quick because I wasn't mentally prepared at all and I hadn't imagined that I would be saying anything to Tom Cruise. And suddenly, within a few seconds, I was standing right in front of him and he was there with a a small group of people that included Edgar Wright was talking to him and Henry Superman Cavill and Christopher McQuarrie who's the director of Mission Impossible 5 and the new movie. And they're just having a little chat. And suddenly, Simon has maneuvered me right in front of him. And he says, this is Adam Buxton. I think he said, this is the guy I told you about. Yes. They told the story about you doodling on Joe's notepad when we were doing Tintin. And they talked about it on their podcast. And so he sort of set it up in that way. And then I think he buggered off. And suddenly I was just stood right in front of tom and edgar was there and i could see edgar he was looking like "Eh, how's this gonna go (laughs) (laughs) what's adam gonna say is this gonna be excruciatingly embarrassing or is this gonna be fine anyway suddenly i'm confronted by tom cruise he's the same height as me by the way and i'm looking into his tom cruise eyes and his laser focus is boring right into my brain and he is doing his special connection tricks with me double handshake and he's giving me the megawatt smile saying hi good to meet you hi hi Adam using my name and everything and I'm on and it's like what am I going to say and I'll tell you over the next 25 (laughs) years (laughs) no I won't because I'm not insane and also there's no story (laughs) (laughs) That didn't stop me. That didn't stop you, but listen, we have to learn (laughs) from some of our previous historical crimes. Mm. And there's no way that I'm spinning this story out because it's really not that extraordinary. But it was kind of a cool moment because there was so much computation going on in my mind and also in his, and it, it gave me a chilling insight into what his life must be like moment to moment because I could see him trying to calculate like what is going on here who is this guy that Simons just suddenly shoved in front of me and so I started babbling about like yes um Joe uh, Joe Cornish uh, w- he was working on uh, Tintin and uh, he apparently was doodling away on a pad you came over and so I basically told the story again about like the doodle story and I could see <laughs> him sort of fu- his brow was furrowing a little bit he was looking at me looking a bit confused it was a very faint bit of confusion and i could see him thinking like is this true is this guy telling me something true or is he taking the piss is this a prank i could see him running through all the possibilities and then at the end of my thing i could i said i said do you remember that happening tom and he said yeah yeah i, I remember it really well and he sort of over it like and i knew like no you don't remember it but he dug in and he said yeah yeah sure i remember it. yeah And in a way that didn't invite any further inquiry on that subject.
1: He was humoring you.
0: I think he was humoring me, but he was doing it in a very nice way. But at Mm. that point, I was just thinking, wow, this is crazy. I'm in his tractor beam and I'm looking into the eyes of this guy that I've only ever seen on the big screen, whose movies I've enjoyed who is a strange, confusing figure of pop culture, who, as we speak, is all over the newspapers for losing his temper on the set of Mission Impossible 7, who is a figure of sort of fascination, really. And one of those people who, whether you like him or not, is a pivotal cultural figure. And it's always weird to be in some in the physical space of one of those people, you know what I mean? You were starstruck. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And also, it quickly became obvious that he's quite charming, you know, and his little techniques or natural charm, whatever you want to think of them as, of making eye contact and not breaking it and using your name a lot and all that stuff, it really works and makes you feel sort of special. So what I did was I thought, okay, I don't really want to spend too much time here because it's too freaky and I don't really have anything to say. But what I do want to do is reassure him that I'm not here to take the piss or try and score points off him or humiliate him or embarrass him, really. So what I did was I started enthusing genuinely about Mission Impossible 5, the fallout one, Mm. with the helicopters and the big fight with Henry Cavill. Fallout, yeah. Fallout, yeah. And I started talking about how great I thought it was, which I really did. Comfortable territory. Absolutely terrific. Yeah. Yeah. And I started enthusing about it and describing the scenes and sort of analyzing them in a very, you know, listeners, the kind of way that I sometimes do in a very insightful, mm. articulate way that really makes you think about these things in, in a way that you might never have done before. And I could see that he liked it and Chris McQuarrie, the director, liked it. Mm. And I was saying things like, you know, it was so well directed, Chris McQuarrie, Mm. the director. What a great job you did, because sometimes with those big fight scenes, the action can get too crazy and hectic. It's hard to tell what's going on. A bad director won't handle those things well. But you just knew exactly what to do to show the audience where they were from moment to moment. And it was so thrilling. You felt like you were there. And I thought I was doing pretty well. What do you reckon?
1: I think that's a very safe. You were on very safe ground.
0: Yeah, I was massively licking their bums. Yeah, yeah it's it's a good.
1: It's a good to, I'm disappointed you um, didn't press him harder about the doodle
0: story. I just couldn't because he didn't remember it, Joe. Do you think? Yes, I think. He <laughs> do, did you think remember do you think? Do you think he possibly
1: didn't remember who I am? I think there's a chance. <laughs> I know Chris McQuarrie knows who I am. Yeah. And I think Tom does recognise me, but I'm not sure I'm central to his world.
0: I'm just saying it's a possibility. <laughs> You're more central, of course, than I am. You are right close in his orbit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And listen, I know he loves your film. He did a special screening of Attack the Block for his He did, that's friends, true, he? yes. He knows who you are in that yeah. respect. But doodle story-wise, I was getting nothing yeah and in the end one of the things i did cuz i had i suddenly thought like oh i've got a genuine question for him which was how do you get insurance when you're doing all the stunts and when you clearly injure mm. yourself there was that thing where he broke his foot i was like so i start asking him this question, Good question. I, was like, I was like how do you i often think like how is it logistically possible for you to get insurance for the productions when you are so public about doing your own stunts and then when you get into a situation where you broke your foot didn't you during the production of the last film and he says I shattered it mm. so he was right close really mm. intense and he's like no I didn't break it I shattered it
1: he would be an amazing Blue Peter presenter don't you think <laughs> him and Rebecca and Henry Cavill doing a big budget Blue Peter film yes don't you think like uh Tom Cruise off- would be Noakes He'd be Noakes, Cavill would be Purvis, Purvis, and Rebecca Ferguson would be... Valerie Singleton. Valerie Singleton. Cruz would zip line off the top of Tower Bridge, and then, like, ruffle a dog's head. People would love it. I would love it. I mean, that's sort of what Mission Impossible movies are, really, in some ways. They could do some makes in between the action sequences. <laughs> you know, chase around Paris, then show you how to make a fairy castle out of toilet rolls.
0: Yeah, anyway, all this banter is probably cold comfort for a sizable proportion of the podcast <laughs> listenership that are still yeah. reeling from the punchline of your five yeah. year Tom Cruise. Well thanks for helping story, me um,
1: thanks for helping me out there by taking the reins and You're telling an equally disappointing story <laughs> about meeting Tom Cruise at a party. About meeting but Tom yes, Cruise.
0: I'm trying to think
1: of what else at least you got I'll, it over I'll, I'll with faster you, than I did.
0: My only Victory Was it a victory? I don't know what it was. Anyway, to conclude, I was talking to Tom and I felt like I'd made a couple of connections with him. I'd licked his bum quite a lot. I think he liked it. And I said the thing about, you broke your foot. I shattered it, he said. And then he told me a little bit more about how intense the fight with Henry Cavill in the urinals was and how they really hurt each other when they were doing that scene and they were really punching and punching. And... It was great. And then I just thought, I don't think it's going to get better than this. I'm just going to cut out. And it's going to be kind of a novelty for him that will probably increase his respect for me and make him want to see me again. If I just say, all right, I'm going to go. See you. Bye. So I said, hey, listen, Tom, thank you so much. Good to talk to you. Lovely to meet you. Shook his hand. Great to meet you, Adam, he said. And off I went. That's not what I saw. I saw you following him
1: around for the rest of the party, (laughs) desperately trying to talk to him, following him out of the venue, (laughs) trying to get into his car, being wrestled away from him by the security staff of the venue, then running down the motorway towards London in the rain after his car. With my pants off. Throwing homemade CDs of your podcast at him.
0: (laughs) That's what I saw that was Louis through. <laughs> hey Tom Cruise before you go I just wanted to tell you one more interesting thing I've still got my cuddly teddy bear from when I was little what about you? that's what I sleep with
2: every night
0: same here makes me feel happy and reminds me of mummy and daddy that's it yeah we love teddies no apologies no apologies that's it that's it teddies are the best hey Tom you should see the film Paddington I don't ever want to see it again! What about Christmas? Ever! Oh dear! I've seen it loads of times. It's heartwarming and ingenious. I watched the sequel several times too! Ever f***ing do it again!
2: Okay. Is it understood?
0: Why not give it one more go? We can watch it with Joe!
2: If I see it again, you're f***ing gone. And
0: sure are you! I'm Margaret Thatcher! No, shut up for bloody Margaret Thatcher! Stop it, stop it, stop it,
2: stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop You're four
0: you're Wait. This is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success.
2: Yes, success. The way that you look at the world
0: makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area and spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. continue 49th Hey welcome back festive podcasts. Wow, the doodle story has finally been laid to rest. Who knows what we're going to find to talk about in next year's Christmas podcast. Thanks very much to Simon Pegg for letting me talk about his party. And actually, more importantly, for inviting me to his party. It was really fun. Thanks, Simon. So anyway, as I said, I'm going to keep it short because it is uh, nearly dark out here on Christmas Eve and very cold. My fingers are nearly falling off, even though I am wearing gloves. Hey, look, I don't normally do shout-outs on the podcast, but I did want to send particularly warm wishes to Romy, a podcat, from Ireland. Romy lost her daughter Hazel this year and I just want to join Romy's boyfriend Chris who got in touch and all their family and friends who have rallied round this year as so many people have had to do in 2020 and say I'm sorry and just to send a lot of love. I hope you're all right Romy from me and All the rest of the podcast, if I may speak for you all. I also wanted to send my love to my brother, Uncle Dave, and to my sister, Claire. I'll be missing them this Christmas. Very much, they're locked down in London. Especially as Mum and Dad aren't around this year. And I don't think they're going to be around next year either, to be honest. I'm pretty sure it's Boris's fault. Anyway, Claire and Dave, we'll get together soon. And you are really going to love your presence. Especially the song I've done about a dream I had where I breastfed Tom Cruise to stop him shouting at me. I think you'll find that one quite moving. A few thank yous before I go. I mean, there's so many people I feel like saying thank you to who I have been thanking a little bit throughout the year, especially all of you who were so kind to me after my mum died. It really made a difference, especially this year when... Everything is so unsettling and crazy and scary anyway. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks to all my guests this year. I'm sure Paul McCartney's going to be listening to this. Thanks, Paul. Really good to talk to you. You were much nicer than I expected. I mean, I already liked you, don't get me wrong, but I, I just found you uh, inspiringly upbeat and optimistic. And I can't help feeling that's a valuable quality. Thank you so much to the Staves, who provided not only that song for Joe at very short notice, but also a lovely choral taffin-based jingle in the podcast as well. As I said, there are links in the description of the podcast to a great Spotify playlist with their beautiful music on it, which would be suitable, I think, for any festive get-together or don't-get-together Oh, it's really, really dark now. There's just a crack of lighter sky over to the west where the sun set. But other than that, it is impenetrably dark cloud. Can't see the moon or anything. Oh, so I'm going to head back. Thanks very much indeed to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for all his work on the podcast this year and especially on this episode. Really appreciate it, Seamus. I would struggle without you. Here comes the freezing rain. <sighs> Thanks very much indeed to Matt Lamont for his brilliant edit with bottery throughout the year and especially on this episode. And Matt, let me tell you, has recently set up his own podcast company called Pod Monkey. If any of you podcats have a podcast that badly needs making, then get in touch. There is a link in the description of the podcast to the Podmonkey webpage. thanks to Helen Green for her beautiful artwork <laughs> can I just say this is the least clement it has ever been on one of my walks which sort of I guess is appropriate for this year isn't it but it is oh man it's so cold and it's so dark and it's so windy <laughs> let's get out of this rose I hope the podcast will be returning in uh, March of 2020 late March early April sometime around then till then take care hey do you want a freezing rainy hug of course you do hey oh, ho, ho, ho. Whatever you do, don't forget, I love you!